Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Uncovered Podcast. I'm Jared Kimber. With me is Behram Kazi, and we're going to talk about cricket uh, that happened over the weekend. I was going to say all around the world. All around the world over the weekend. I'm not sure how I wrote that script. If you are watching us live on YouTube, uh, send us a comment. Uh, let us know that you're here, like Ahmed just has. Um, and if you have something that you simply must um, talk about, please uh, send us a super chat as well. We're going to start with the IPL, despite the fact there's a game on. Sorry, there's probably about seven people who are going to come into the YouTube chat today because the, the game is on. <laughs> but this is when we're free. And this is that. Everyone always says, oh, you record at the wrong times. We record at the only times when we're free. It's <laughs> the exact right time for us. So the IPL, it's it's an interesting season. I just did my IPL power list. So if you haven't seen it, it's worth having a look at that. I think coming into the game today, and that might be different as it looks like Sunrise is getting spanked a little bit, but coming into the game today, it did feel like everyone up until the Sunrisers had a chance of actually, I know they had three games left to go. Their, their schedule was a little bit lopsided, but that everyone had a chance to go. That's kind of what you want. There's a lot of talk in the NBA at the moment that all the uh, bottom seeds have beaten the top speeds in the playoff, uh, you know, quite a bit so far. Although, I think the two number one seeds are now starting to do quite, oh, sorry, number two seed and the number one seeds are quite started to do quite well. But the idea is maybe NBA's found parity. It does look like if you are this deep in the season and you actually have at least a mathematical chance of all your teams making it through, then there is something right about parity and it keeps it a little bit more entertaining, even though I think we would both say chances are the Sunrisers are not going to make the finals and neither are many of the other teams at that level. Yeah, I mean, I think Delhi Capitals is out, uh, if I'm not wrong. And then Sunrises, oh, 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 if they out. go on to... They, yeah, Del- yeah, yeah. Delhi was out, like, I don't know when the IPL started, but they were out in, yeah. like, February. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they just couldn't cope with the fact that they didn't have punt this season. And it didn't was help. such a good franchise in the last few IPLs that this was really shocking. And, you know, David Warner as well, not at his best. And I, I reckon he's injured as well now. Um Lots of bad stuff for Delhi. Really a season to forget. But uh, if you look at Mumbai Indians, I remember the first Uncovered pod I did with you. I was talking about how if you have both Surya Kumar Yadav and Tim David in your squad, there's really no excuse to build a team around those guys. And boy, have they answered. Mm. I mean, Sky on his own literally has gotten Mumbai up to number three. He scored a vital 83 in the first game, then scored 100 off what 48, 49 deliveries in the second. Sky is skying. And that is pretty much like what Indian fans would love to see because this is a guy whose skill set is quite unique and 
all of T20 cricket, whether it be the Nationals, whether it be, uh, you know, domestic T20s, franchise T20s. He's got 300s for India. So I'm not surprised at all that Mumbai is there up in the top four. Who I'm really disappointed with is Rajasthan. And to say yeah. that they've screwed up royally, hey. no puns intended. <laughs> very much intended. <laughs> very much puns intended. I think they had such a good team. We were speaking about how Yashasvi Jaiswal, who, by the way, is still in the form yep. of his life. I will be very surprised if him and Shubman Gill don't open for India soon in T20s, particularly after what Ravi Shastri said, that whenever you get the next T20 series, you need to see these young guys play. And those two guys are actually that good, both Jaiswal and Gill. And I would love for India to experiment with them in T20s, particularly when there's a lot of conversation about Virat Kohli also starting slow and Rohit Sharma is being called Nohit Sharma. Again. Yeah, I think yeah. The, the Royal thing <laughs> is interesting. I, you know, as I said, I just finished the power list. And it's kind of the same problems. I remember last season, they contacted me after the draft and they said, how do you think we'll go? And I said, well, if Josh Butler has the year of his life, I think you'll be okay. And if he doesn't, you won't, won't be. And it's a similar sort of thing. You looked at that team now, it's five, it, it always seems that Royals need five or six players to be absolutely exceptional. Um, and if they're, n- and if they don't have those sorts of years, it falls apart a little bit. So no, I think, I think, yeah, it, it they, I think they are disappointing. I, I think before they got bowled out for 59, I was trying, I still had them rated really highly on my power list. And then mm-hmm. they got bowled out for 59. And, uh, you know, it, it, at this stage, I think the, I, I don't think they'll make the finals, even if they win. I think they've got one game mm-hmm. left. I don't think they'll make the finals, even if they win that one game. What I would say is that if it's almost better that they lose that game, right? Because they've had such yeah, a honestly. bad year. You don't really want to be that close now. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's very interesting. There's a couple of teams that I think really have to, like, I think the Knight Riders is the other one. And I think they still are mathematically, I have to have, they a, have a shot. And especially yeah. if, you know, Rinku Singh keeps scoring runs. And a lot of people were saying how Rinku is not that kind of player who would get you 400 runs in an IPL season. Well, Rinku Singh has 400 runs in an IPL season. He single-handedly won you like two games. Mm. Again, with Nitish Rana, they chased that total down brilliantly. Talk to me about MS Dhoni though, Jared. Why did he not come up to bat? Dhoni coming at 8-9? That's just, that's baffling. Well, I, I just think, look, He's often been a player who has picked the roles that he think probably best suits his skill. And and I, I don't know what his current numbers are. And they might have changed after Oh no, he didn't he didn't bat yesterday, did he? Is that the game he didn't bat? He I think he did bat like a couple of deliveries or something like right that. Right at the end, was it? Lots of people. Pretty much anyone who could bat ahead of him batted ahead of him. So I think if you have a look when they lost that fifth wicket. I think at that stage, he was thinking, well, this is too early for me to come in. I think this year he's made 90 or 45 balls, you know, roughly two runs a ball. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I think that might be his level. I know that sounds weird because it's a good level to have, like if you make it two runs a ball. But what I mean is I don't think playing a big long innings is necessarily where he sees his strength anymore. And if you go back, I think people have forgotten there were many times in IPL seasons and even in Indian um, seasons where you'd be like, well, surely don't, you know, there's a problem here. Dhoni has to come up the order and Dhoni wouldn't. And then another day he'd come up the order and you'd be like, what, why has he come up the order today? And I, I think he's very tactical with that thinking. So um, no, I didn't, I didn't mind that at all. Um, I did think that they stuffed up a really big, easy chance to get a, um, a second win there. Um 
uh, sorry, second chance uh, draw there for themselves. But I don't think that was that was Donia coming down the order. I think it was just that collapse at the start, right? It just put them so far behind in that game. Uh, as Fair I said, enough. though, the IPL power list is out there. If uh, if anyone needs it, uh, I go through all the teams. Uh, a shout out to Manan, who's also in the comments. Justice for Barrett. Barrett Barrett's fine. Barrett is the one deciding <laughs> not to be on Uncovered. He wants to be on Wagon Wheel again this week. Uh, so he'll, I can't he'll, be he'll that be terrible, guys. Come on. Yeah. What, but you just... <laughs> You, you know, it, um, Barra is, there's no justice needed for him. It's him anyway that, that's causing the problem. Someone on Twitter described me, or well, you described me, I think, as someone who can, you know, come and fill out a gap. And someone was like, oh, like Sanjay Manjreka decide, uh, described Ravi Jadeja. I'll take it. I'd happily be Ravi Jadeja. <laughs> I don't think there's any problem with that one. Anyway, we're going to have yeah. a quick break here. And then after the break, we've actually got a little bit on Bangladesh Island. The England in the Ashes is quite interesting with a couple of injury concerns. And then we're going to go deep on these new ICC playing conditions. You're listening to Uncovered with Jared and Bayram. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade. Unlocking the power of Thinkorswim, the award-winning trading platforms loaded with features that let you dive deeper into the market. Visualize your trades in a new light on Thinkorswim Desktop with robust charting and analysis tools, all while you uncover new opportunities with up-to-the-minute market news and insights. Thinkorswim is available on desktop, web, and mobile to meet you where you are. It's built by the trading obsessed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars just visit prizepicks.com slash play 100 and use code play 100 that's code play 100 at prizepicks.com slash play 100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy all right, welcome back to Uncovered. Uh, let us uh, get to... Oh, yeah, Bangladesh Island. So you followed this a little bit more than I did. Um, uh, shout out to um, AJP and Shivam, who <laughs> apparently it was AJB who called you bits and pieces um, at Bayram, so good on him. <laughs> uh, you followed Bangladesh Island a little bit more than I did. I know that Ireland had a very, very good chance to win and sort of stuffed up. Was it in both games or just one of them? I can't even remember now. And then um, and this also has a... a longer lasting implications to where they end up in uh, World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, I mean, it is a tough loss for Ireland because a victory in this series could have elevated their chances of making it to the World Cup as a direct qual- directly qualifying team. But that has taken a hit. And one of those games, as you mentioned, Ireland set Bangladesh a target of 320 in 45 yeah. overs, which is quite a hefty margin of runs. And you'd expect Ireland to go on and win it. And I really feel for Harry Tector scored 140 of 113 balls. And, you know, even though Ireland have lost 2-0, this is going to be a very serious unit in the qualifiers. I mean, I'm guessing they'll be there because you've got youth in Harry Tector who had this series of his life. Curtis Camphor has been doing the rounds for a while now. Lorcan Tucker has been very, very impressive for Ireland. So you've got these three young guys plus Josh Little. And you know, left arm pace always is an added dimension uh, that any team will 
you know, more or less struggle against at least at the well, start. Well, before Josh Little, I don't know mm. if Ireland ever ever had like a regular left arm seamer at the top level. Mm. So it's a big, big difference to have him from where they were before. They were like the anti-Pakistan. Yeah. <laughs> and and then you've got experienced players too. You look at Sterlo, Balberni, even Dockrell. These guys have been around for a while. This is a serious Irish unit. And I feel, I have a gut feeling that they'll somehow sneak into the World Cup because West Indies and Sri Lanka aren't invincible at by any means. And I think that qualifier is going to be really, really interesting because Zimbabwe also has their tails up. You know, mm. they've had a decent year. So it's going to be a very fun uh, qualifier uh, or, well, whatever tournament that is. But uh, on Bangladesh, I think more or less they played their first team. And they looked good. And if you look at Bangladesh, they, they were third in the World uh, ODI Championship table, which is remarkable because they've lost like eight games out of 24-25. And that, I think, is the, is the best Bangladesh has ever been, mm. barring those uh, home series where they whitewashed India, Pakistan, I think one against South Africa as well, something like that. But the big find for them is Najmul Hussain Shanto. He's played all formats and I'll be honest, he's been quite mediocre thus far. No, but then no, again, no, he's no. that's unfair. He was shit. Yeah. He was absolutely <laughs> shit. Like, I mean, here's, I don't think people understand how bad his record was. Like, yeah. you're looking at it going, why are you continuing to pick this guy? And it mm. took its, and I don't think he's young. I mean, he's young. He's but 24. I, but he's not 20. And, Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you pick a 19-year-old yeah. and you're just like, well, we'll give him a couple of years, you know, and then hopefully they're not Zach Crawley, right? Um, yeah. But with Shanto, it's like he was old enough to be slightly better than that. And look, mm-hmm. I, his explosion over the last, I want to say, six months now, um, yeah, it's roughly. just remarkable from where he was before. Yeah, I mean, he's scored a match-winning 100, right? He scored 117, I believe, of 93 deliveries. And sure, like, there was another guy, Tawheed Ridoya, I think, who scored quickly at the end. But he really set things up. And Bangladesh needed a number three batter. Because Tamim and Shakib and Mushfikur, these three guys are probably playing their last World Cup. Let's be Mm. honest. They probably won't be around for the next one. This is their biggest tournament yet. Maybe they're not at their peaks. I know Tamim has definitely been better than this. But they still have been you know, very, very loyal servants to Bangladesh cricket for the last, I want to say, 16 years because they all started young, super young. And I think Bangladesh also, like Pakistan, has a habit of introducing them young. And I'm happy to see Najmul Hussain Shanto come of age because he's an under-19 product. We've seen glimpses of his talent, but Mm. they've just been glimpses really. And if you go look at his numbers, I don't think he averages 30 anywhere. Like it's all 25, 26 at at terrible strike rates. So happy for them that they've solved uh, the number three conundrum. And that allows Shakib to come a little lower down the order where I think he'll be more suited because he has that power game, right? He can be explosive. Mm. Also has a broken finger, but hopefully that'll be fine by the time of the World Cup. Positives for both teams. Good series. So Shanto, he averages 24 in test cricket, 27 in ODI cricket. That was after this mm-hmm. knock. Uh, yeah. 28 in T20 cricket, but at a strike rate of 111. So uh, mm-hmm. first class cricket is 38. Uh, so it, it's it, when you watch him, you know he's a better player than that. And obviously mm-hmm. it is coming through now. Uh, Ridoin, again, my biggest concern at the moment is that I don't know how much some of these older players are going to stick around. And the problem with Bangladesh cricket before was not, we know that the young talent was good because it's still around, right? But they they sacked all their older players the first time around. They're not going to do that again, I hope. But my worry now is that a lot of those older players, they're going to miss the two generations. You almost want Ridoy and Shanto and those guys to be two or three years earlier so that you still have, you know, Shakib and Tamim at sort of, not peak level, but sort of, 
early decline rather than late decline. But look, it's uh, a fantastic effort for them. Uh, you know, Ireland is, I think Ireland's at its best in ODI cricket. You talked about mm-hmm. them qualifying. In fact, well, I mean, it doesn't matter what I think. Andy Balboni uh, was on the podcast and said that Ireland are at their <laughs> best in, in ODI cricket. So I think that's a very, very fair um, comment to make that, you know, that's what they're best at. It was in English conditions. Uh, you know, there was some rain around. You know, everything that Ireland would have ordered for um, mm-hmm. a Bangladesh. We saw Bangladesh do some interesting things against not full-strength England side, but obviously, um, you know, a, a very good English side at times. No, I, th- I think that's really, really interesting. Let's move on to England, actually. Uh, uh-huh. So, well, before you move on to England, okay. Jared, to Joe me. Root finally got a bat in the IPL, 15-ball 10. <laughs> How about that? Didn't he... Has he has he had a bold as well? I think in one game, I want to say, yeah. He's I, I, he's. I just I was looking at it the other day um, because it just looks ridiculous. So I think Barney Rone wrote that piece um, about uh, about why he should be in the side, or I can't even remember what it was about now. Well, whatever Barney wrote, wrote, but let's just have a look what I've got here. IPL statistics. I can't, I can't even find his stats. It's like his stats don't exist. I'm on Rajasthan's <laughs> website. Of course, I'm on Rajasthan's website. He's, he's uh, got a strike rate of 70, is it? Yeah, he's good. Yeah, so 10 runs in one innings in three games. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's made 10 runs and he's gone for 14 runs in two overs. So he's currently negative four runs in the IPL. So uh, good luck to uh, Joe Root, everyone else. Thanks to Yash in the, um, in the uh, comments as well. He was just saying that... Uh, uh, well, Bangladesh are being so good in Asian conditions. Uh, you know, it it will be it bodes well for them in the World Cup. Definitely, that, that's I think in some ways that Sri Lanka or Zimbabwe are the teams that should qualify as well because I think they will be better suited to the um, Asian conditions uh, than everyone else. Um, it's one of those weird things we don't talk about enough that Zimbabwe is basically Asian conditions. But anyway, that's for another day. <laughs> um, so in, oh, you talked about Joe Root, England in the Ashes. So Ben Stokes is currently a batter. At CSK, uh, batting mm-hmm. cover, I think I saw written down somewhere. Uh, Jofra Archer has been whisked out of the IPL, and Jimmy Anderson has just injured. I want to say he's groin. Does that sound right? Yes, it sounds like it one, is groin. I all my I, I kind of misread it, and by that I mean once you if it's like calf or groin, my my, my mind instantly goes oh old man injury, right? <laughs> like like he's played so long, he's just doing all those things that like old athletes start to do. Like everything, everything's just not quite working the way it did. The Ashes are getting really interesting from this perspective because, uh, so Steve Harmison has talked a lot about the fact that Ben Stokes thinks he only has so many overs left in him, mm-hmm. right? So his problems now, I think are very similar to what we see with Andre Russell, where I would assume, and I don't know if we've had this completely confirmed, but my guess is that uh, Stokes is now bone on bone on his knee. And once you get to bone on bone and there's no cartilage left, it it literally is every time you run or you jump, it bangs. And I have it a little bit, but nowhere near the level that those guys have. And if, if if I do something, I remember I went with um with my son to I don't know if you you have these in Canada or Pakistan, but the trampoline mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah. Uh, we have things. them in both Canada and Pakistan. You know the, <laughs> where you go and it's like that, it's a whole room of trampolines, uh-huh. right? And I went thinking, well, that's a trampoline. It's soft. I jumped on one trampoline, went up, came down, and it literally felt like my knees had punched each other from you know, well, not Yikes. punched each other. I suppose it felt like my thigh and my shin bone had. And I remember watching Andre Russell preparing for the 2019 World Cup, and he had the exact same face that I have. Mortaza was another one who was famously like this. Uh, happens a lot in other sports as well. You can. The thing is, you can continue to do a lot 
of what you do. So if you give Ben Stokes a ball now, he can still bowl at 90 miles an hour, 93 miles an hour, you know, and he can still run around the field. It's just simple, different little bits of impact that really hurt. So Steve Harmison's theory, and I'm assuming that this was told to him by Ben Stokes, um, was that he had so many balls left in him. It now looks like whatever the number he was, he thought he had left in him is less than that. Jimmy Anderson probably can't play. It, it, it looks like I think he'll be fine and fit for the first test, but it's looking less and less likely that they're going to get five full tests out of him. And we don't even know what is happening with Joffre Archer. He's gone from arguing with Will McPherson on Twitter about writing about his injuries to going home for being injured. That's a th- pretty, I mean, that's, that's the three guys you want first on the team sheet, right? Like if Stokes can't bowl, that's a huge issue. If Joffre can't play, that's a huge issue. And if Anderson can't play five tests and the other two aren't fit, they're in all sorts of trouble, aren't they? They are, indeed, especially when you still don't have that opening, you know, quite ironed out. I mean, sure, Ben Duckett and Zach Rawley got runs in Pakistan. Mm. But Jared, you would have gotten runs in Pakistan with that knee of yours and, and, and lack of cartilage, right? <laughs> so I think that barring the opening uh, issue that England still have, in my opinion, I don't think they've solved that. They're relying on Joe Root, obviously, you know, mm. and then you've got Ben Stokes, the batter, but he's more of like a a hitter at this point. He's played his cricket that way. And well, then if he have... averages 40 with the bat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you, mean, can, I think they ben can probably Fox... find other players who could average 40 with the bat. So Ben Fox we... and Yorkshire's Johnny Bairstow, these two guys will have a lot of responsibility, yeah. I believe. And I would play them both because I think Fox is a brilliant keeper and Bairstow is good enough to play as, uh, you know, a batter on his own. Ollie Robinson. He's going to be England's trump card if Anderson doesn't make it to that first test. Robinson has been in imperious form. He took a seven for, I think, in his first county they, fixture. And he had like, a great tour of Pakistan yeah, as well. I just don't think, yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think he's really good. And he's obviously got a lot fitter. I just don't think England want to play him and Broad together. They want to play him, Broad, and Anderson on a rotation, right? Hmm. I, and I what think that is... What if they play is, Broad, Ollie Robinson, and Jofra Archer? That doesn't sound too bad. If Jofra's fit, by the way. Well... See, that, that comes back to that point. They, if Joffre's fit, I don't think they have any problem. If, if Joffre is fit, then, and then Mark Wood is fit, that gives them masses of options with the three, what do, what do you call the other guys? Well, I mean, Anderson and Broad are fast, medium, and, and Robinson's medium fast, right? That gives so them, is Potts, if Matthew Potts comes into this, yeah, he's, he's probably not fast, like medium. Express quick. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you have this sort of um, random situation then where they... It's not that the talent is the problem. It's the fit that is a problem, right? And, you know, maybe they wanted Ollie Stone or Mahmoud to step up or be fit or whatever that may be, but those guys aren't quite at that level. And so when you say Ollie Robinson's great, I don't think they're going to go into five tests with Robinson and Broad just Mm. because they're kind of a little bit redundant. Right, their skill yeah, sets yeah, are yes, a little bit definitely. redundant. So, so Potts might be the guy that comes back, right? At that point, yeah, Potts he might, could might be very be the well one. good. Yeah, and, and he so had decent returns really for England, right? Yeah, he, and he was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and and then I definitely feel like England will need Sam Curran in this entire situation, especially given that Ben uh, Stokes doesn't feel like he's got a lot of bowling mm. left in him. So, if Curran could be that guy, also provides you a left arm option. I know he can go for plenty. But I have seen quite a few test matches and I know those are quite a way back now versus India. I think it was 2018, the summer of 2018, mm-hmm. when Virat Kohli got all of those runs. Sam Curran was England's knight in shining armour. This yeah. guy literally won them games single-handedly and he was a kid back then. Sam Curran has matured now and sure, he's really developed his T20 game and power game in that while. But if he can come and counter-attack with the bat, 
England will need what four seamers and maybe half a spinner because they don't have a full spinner anyway and Moeen doesn't play anymore so who Dom Bess is going to play or oh well Leach Leach is going to play well, Leach will play I mean they've seemed to have gone back towards believing Leach should be in the side and to be fair mm-hmm. we, there was a te- couple of technical changes that happened to Leach's bowling just after mm-hmm. McCullum got involved I don't know if McCullum was involved or if it was just a, a bowling coach but he went from a point where he wasn't really getting any drift before to yeah. getting drift. And and if you're bowling on flat English wickets, you have to get drift early on. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're of no use to anyone as a spinner. And that's what, what he was doing. Yeah. But yeah, so if you've uh, got, you can expect if, you can expect Joe Root to roll his arm as well, by the way, uh, with respect to spin. And I mean, there'll be left Harry handers Brooke. with Australia. Yeah. Harry I mean, Brooke, you, Harry how Brooke. good a tournament does he have with the bat? That, well, that okay. might dictate the ashes. <laughs> so Harry Brooks is really interesting because that, that's what I was getting to before. If you have, you know, if, if they're going to, Whatever openers, let's forget about the openers. Whoever they pick, they pick. Uh, first drop is going to be Ollie, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Second drop is yes. going to be Joe Root. Stokes is going to play regardless of whether he can bowl because he's captain. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have Bearstow, Brooke, and folks in in that middle area, right? They are all probably at this stage more consistent run scorers than Ben Stokes in their positions. Maybe not, yeah. folks, maybe not overall, but in their positions, right? You talked about bringing Sam Curran into that, which means mm-hmm. that you have to drop. And then you, if you bring Sam Curran into that and Stokes can't bowl, Curran then needs to bat at seven, right, and be the bowling all-rounder. Or mm-hmm. he needs to bat at eight and bowl all the overs as a full-time yeah. bowler. It's a really – Stokes' knee is, you know, that you've gone from a team of having Wokes, Moeen, you know, um, forgot about Wilkes. Stokes. Do you know what I mean? They had so many all-round options not that long <laughs> ago. forgot about Chris Wilkes. Of course he's going to be in the conversation as well. And you're talking about Joe Root bowling, right? That's how far off they are where they were before. Now, Joe Root might bowl a little bit because Australia has like mm-hmm. 38 left-handers in their lineup as uh, R. Ashwin is probably still drooling over, right? But, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I do think that from that perspective, we might see a little bit more of Joe Root uh, bowling. But it's like... We're talking about Jofra, Anderson, and Stokes, and they were like, "Well, Joe Root can bowl a few overs." It really has changed the whole lineup, and it, and it tells you how much all rounders are important. A big thanks to Charles and and Nitten in the comments as well. No, Charles uh, uh, Barrett has not been fired from Uncovered. He's just <laughs> never available. And and Baram is Baram is the Akshar Patel of this podcast <laughs> network now. Um, you know, the world's greatest understudy. Anyway, we're going to take a break uh, on Uncovered and we'll be back in a moment uh, to talk about the ICC playing conditions, which we'll go through step by step. And then, of course, we'll get Bayram to explain exactly why some of these changes has have annoyed uh, Pakistan fans. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Uncovered with Jared Kimber and Bayram Kazi. Uh, we are up to the ICC playing conditions. So it's gone straight to the website. I think CrickBuzz might have uh, broke this news and then the ICC shortly after did that. And uh, I've been in some interesting conversations with people behind the scenes, which might be for a future episode if I can convince anyone uh, to, to give me the information. But it's, it's quite interesting. Let's start with Soft Signal. So mm-hmm. I think everyone listening to this podcast will know what a Soft Signal is. But just to remind everyone, Soft Signal is when there is an edge to slip off a spinner and the ball is quite low, the fielder takes it, and the square leg umpire says, I think that carried, so I'm going to give a soft signal is out. The reason it exists, and I'm explaining this now for 
the people who've also just gotten rid of it. The reason it exists, of course, is because there is only so much information that we can get from cameras and technology. For instance, there is the foreshortening um, aspect when it comes to catches. There's also camera angles. When it's a slip field or a spinner, it's fine. When it's at short fine leg or a random part of the boundary, we don't always have a camera or the camera is moving. Uh, we can't always get a clear enough image. So the idea of the soft signal really was that on more often than not, the square leg umpire had a better view than the cameras did. Now, they're still moving their heads, so they're not perfect as well, but they were giving a little bit of information. And then what was happening after that was that the third umpire was looking at that information to see whether that held up with technology. Now, what we're going to have now is, and we've all seen this before, and it's, I mean, talk about unintentional consequences. We're going to see so many times when the third umpire cannot make a decision uh, based <laughs> on technology at all, and they do not have a soft signal to go with anymore. To me, I understand why they annoy people, but I think you need to understand how hard it is to film a cricket field, right? <laughs> it is such a big space, and people move in, in all sorts of things. In fact, here's my best one for you. You like this, Baron. If you go through the greatest fielding efforts ever, you know, great catches and everything else. So many of them were never caught um, by photographers at the ground. And that's because if you're a photographer at the ground, you're focusing on the bowler or the batter. Trying to get that great point catch is really hard. And even if you look at John T. Rhodes's fielding, we have a very good mm. photo of him running out um, Inzi at the end. But we yes. don't have much of him running in because none of the photographers or the camera people at the ground were focusing on that area of point, right? My point is pardon the pun, is in this case that that we are now solidifying that mistake by saying that technology is way more important than the umpires, whereas actually umpires have a pretty good idea, especially when it comes to slips, catches and, and those sorts of things. Boundary, to be honest, no one, the cameras don't always show it and the umpires can't always see it it's so far away from them. But certainly with, with catches within the ring, umpires usually have a pretty good idea if the ball has caught. And they also use little, I don't know what the best way, almost like there's like, umpiring shibboleths so for instance you know the way the, the hands rise after the catch and, and all those sorts of things that's how umpires make those decisions all that information matters and it's much easier to see live than it is on that blurry replay of a camera moving around yeah i mean i'm definitely happy with this one because uh, there have been a fair few times this pakistan home season where soft signal has gone against the team and i mean sure of course it's a limitation and uh what I didn't like about the previous rule is that if the soft signal is out and the third umpire is on this fence where he is not sure and you see the replay like 10,000 times, why do we have to stick to the soft signal if the third umpire feels that, okay, this might have not been a catch? So I'm actually happy that the soft signal is gone now. I can so answer that, that for you if you want. Yeah. <laughs> because people well, think that the benefit of the doubt goes to the batter and it doesn't. Yeah. You're either out or I you're mean, not out. And, um, the laws are binary in in that way, right? And in that particular situation, you've I think you've just illustrated why I think we should be using the umpires, which is interesting. They are going to have they are going to see things that the camera won't see, right? And the camera can't. I, I do see. get your point. Yeah, I, I get your point. We're that taking away. I suppose that... what I'm saying is we're taking away more information, and mm -hmm. we're relying on something. If if we were if we were in a position where like, tennis is a really we don't really need people on the lines anymore in tennis right yeah, definitely right not. there are certain and baseball you know with with the with the box mm. again we don't need anything in cricket i actually think the umpires especially because you've got two umpires on the field they're following the ball they can see things and foreshortening is because of this i don't know 
let me briefly explain foreshortening, but a lot of it is to do with the fact that cricket grounds are arced. So there are mm-hmm. some, you, you, there are some that you and I have been to that are dead flat. You can uh-huh. almost, the square's slightly high, but there are other cricket grounds that are like mountains and the cameras mm-hmm. just don't pick th- that up very well and the different angles and, and, and everything else. But look, I get your point. And look, from a fan perspective, I don't think this is going to solve your issue because what is going to yeah. happen is, is you're still going to get a bunch of decisions where you're just like, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. But if but if I was on the field, that would have looked out. And now that's never going to be given out because of the technology. Yeah, so I see it in two different ways now that you've given me that perspective. Of course, the first is that now you won't have that situation where everyone thinks it's not out, but the soft signal was out and the third umpire didn't reverse this, this decision. So that might, might, we ha- might have some respite from that. But I do understand your point of, okay, it's gone up. You know, no one has taken responsibility of whether it's out or not out. It's entirely the third umpire's decision and it's inconclusive. Mm. So either way, someone's going to be pissed off, you know, the batting side or the bowling side. So it will still, you know, generate a lot of that discourse that, oh, this is garbage and they should have, you know, uh, sought out a, a different sort of solution. But I still like, I feel like there's just been so many soft signal decisions, which I have personally disagreed with mm-hmm. that. I just, I'm, I'm curious. I'm keen to see where this goes and I'll what? be optimistic about it, but I, I see the point how it could be like a new Pandora's box altogether. Yeah. The one thing I would say is I don't think it's a problem if you have an issue with the soft signal, because you're watching on TV, most of those games, right? Mm-hmm. And if not, you're, you're outside the boundary. So you're 50, 60, 80 meters away. Right. That's what I mean. We're taking away a very, very interesting part of information there. Um, mm. and, and I just think that I don't think the technology is at the level that it needs to be. Is it, there's a reason why soft signal and umpires call exist. And I think the average fan gets frustrated. And I understand this, but don't get me wrong. I understand this. But the average fan gets frustrated because they're like, well, for using technology, let's use technology. But both of those things existed because the technology can only go so far. As you said, there's going to be times where some poor third umpire is going to be sitting there going, I don't know, this doesn't really tell me anything, right? And they've got no help from now, you know, the on-field decision. They might still be able to talk. I was going to say, they should be able to consult the umpires. I haven't. Mm -hmm. The on-field umpires will consult. Yeah, sorry, I'm just reading out the line. Yes, definitely. It wouldn't make sense otherwise. Right, which is fine because that information is still passed across. But what isn't passed across is the yes or no answer, which is what they're going to mm-hmm. need. The other thing I would say is we are, and you know, me and Adam Collins have talked about this for a long time. There should be full time professional third umpires. It is a completely different job than standing mm-hmm. out and umpiring, right? And what you have mm-hmm. is a bunch of 50, 45 year old men who probably are not very good with their phones and still use Hotmail, right? Who then have to suddenly become technological whizzes when they're dealing mm-hmm. with people who like, you know, only do this a couple of times, you know, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to start to go down this route of getting rid of soft signal and umpires call will be the next one, then you have to make third umpires full-time specialist third umpires. You need to make sure that they are as good on the technology as any of these TV directors that they ever work with. The amount of times I see that they haven't even asked for all the different that are available yep. to them. And sometimes they just get stuck. They can't relay the information and it's just, you know, so frustrating to watch as a viewer. And I definitely agree with you over there. They should be specialized third umpires. And just a bit on, uh, what was it? Umpires call. I'm I'm with Sachin Tendulkar over here. If it's even marginally hitting, it's hitting, you're out. Well, so here's the <laughs> thing about that. I'm going to explain why you're both wrong. You and, you and your mate, Sachin. 
The reason <laughs> is, is when the ball's hitting the middle of the stumps, right? We know, we know unless there's someone's bumped the Hawkeye machine or, or something's <laughs> gone horribly wrong, it's definitely hitting the stumps. When you talk to the people from Hawkeye, they're the ones who want umpire's call. And what they would say is they know that when we're actually getting to the edge of, of the screen, right, of the edge of the stumps, we're not that sure anymore. So what we want is exactly what I just said for soft signal. We want a little bit more information from the umpire, right, in this situation. And for that is, uh, I don't know, have you, have you ever umpired many games? I have umpired like, vars- not varsity, intramural games in university, but that doesn't count. So were you ever taught the little cheeky stuff that umpires know? Definitely There's- not. So it's really cool when you do it. And Bharat's an umpire and he talks about it a lot, but, but, um, I've umpired a bit and I've talked to a lot of umpires. There are little things that umpires use as, as like ways of umpiring. So for instance, when the ball hits the pad and it goes up, that's an mm-hmm. instant sign to them that it might be a bit high. And all these, there's all these little things that they do, you know, where the ball ends up is really, really important when an umpire is making those decisions. That, Again, is information that Hawkeye is not specifically using in its in in its system. That's what I'm saying. It's a really hard sport to actually use this technology for. Now we can't go back. I mean, it was only what seven or eight years ago. There were still journalists saying we had to get rid of DRS. Well, obviously we're not going to. The reason, the only reason DRS exists is because if we didn't use it, you literally had Channel Nine and Channel Four showing all this stuff and going, "Well, the umpires made a mistake here. Let's show how they've made a mistake, <laughs> right?" So, but it, but it is really, really interesting um, from from that perspective. But I just want to get onto something that Paul said here. Um, in fact, he's put up two comments, but I can only put up one mm. at a time. So, Paul said, "Do you think this change will result in more of those close to the ground catches being given not out?" Yes, I do. And I'm just going to try to put up his second comment here um, uh, because. Soft signal was brought in specifically to deal with the foreshortening of the lens, which I was talking about before. The way that the camera lens actually works, the shape of the grounds and everything else. I mean, there's great tests out there if you want to have a look at it. Sky have done some, Channel 4, Channel 5, I think Channel 9 have done them, where they've sat there with the ball in their hand making it look like a catch, but with their cameras, it looks like it's hit the ground, right? And so we know that that technology is not there. Another reason that soft signal was there. But anyway... Let's move on to the other ICC changes. The other one, I mm-hmm. think, I think most people, except for I don't know, hardcore nut jobs, are gonna be happy with this. That helmet protection <laughs> will be a mandatory in all international cricket for the following high risk positions when batters are facing fast bowlers. So the only players I know who are left who don't face up, uh, uh, don't wear a helmet when facing fast bowlers, is the Bermuda bowlers, a uh, Bermuda batters. <laughs> There's a family from Bermuda who refuse to do that. When wicket keepers are standing up to the stumps, I would say that more often than not, any seam mm-hmm. bowler's bowling, a wicket keeper has that. And fielders who are close to the batter in front of the wicket. Again, by this stage in international cricket, I wouldn't have thought there are that many occasions uh, where that hasn't happened. I do think the next change will be that you'll have to wear a helmet every time you bat because uh, we, we focus a lot on um, fast bowlers, but top edges from spinners, and I've yes. done a whole episode episode mm-hmm. with, with Snehal about this. There's absolutely no doubt that that causes an issue as well. I don't think many people would have a problem with this because most outside of the Bermuda batters, I'm pretty sure pretty much everyone in major international cricket is already abiding by these rules. I can't remember the last time we had someone at at Silly Point, for instance, without a helmet on. In fact, no one seems to feel Silly Point that much anymore anyway. But I I, I would say this one's fine, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, the way that... the where the game is headed with concussion substitutes and everything. I think this is a positive change. And I really like that point about how batters should be probably wearing helmets all the time because top edges versus spinners, particularly when you're hitting with the spin, it's a very high risk, right? That it might just hit your skull. 
Well, I think if, if you go back to the old days when people were sweeping normally, it probably is going to hit you but not mm. do a lot of damage. If you're slog yeah. sweeping, though, right, if you're playing mm. T20 cricket, and not just slog sweeping, just playing across the line in general, the, yeah. the, the force that that ball could come off your bat and, and where it could hit you could You could be heaving. Well, yeah. You could be heaving, rocking back uh, and just kind of pummeling it to the mid-wicket fence and top edge straight on your jaw. That's dangerous. Yeah. All right. So I think we're happy with this uh, and no one in the comments seems angry. So we're onto a ripper here. Yeah. The last change the ICC has done is that runs off a free hit. And I can't wait to get the <laughs> Pakistan angle on this. But any run scored off a free hit when the ball hits the stumps will count as team runs scored to be consistent with all other runs scored from a free hit. Now, we will get to why they've changed this playing condition in a moment the interesting thing is here it would have i say i'd say they could have just made it a leg by and the reason that they and i had a couple of people on twitter mention this to me but i would say the reason they haven't made this a leg by is because they think that any runs bowled off a free hit should go against the bowler right that Mm. is not what was happening before so we'll talk about the famous one where uh nawaz is bowling his medium paced um finger spin at the death to um to india yeah. uh he bowls a no ball for height and the next mm-hmm. ball is a free hit he bowls was it virat or dinesh Karthik? yes virat. he cleaned up virat yeah and virat, virat was on the button he ran straight away <laughs> i reckon dinesh Karthik was the one was it dinesh Karthik at the other end was it i can't remember whoever was uh, at the other end dk yeah because yeah, pandya got out right yeah uh, nawaz got right. pandya out so it was probably dk um, Whoever yeah, it was I at mean, the other end, they were they were really on it. And I think Virat took a camera flash and then he worked out what had happened as well. So the ball hits the stumps and it goes to short third and Paul Shaheen has to run after it in slow motion. Not Brilliant athlete in some ways, not particularly turning. Um, they get three runs off that. And I said at the time that it was the most unfair buy decision uh, that has ever been made. I think a lot of Pakistani cricket uh, fans thought that I was saying that it shouldn't have been runs. No, it definitely should have been runs. I've got no problem with it going for runs, but it shouldn't be buys because it went to third and it could have gone to square leg. It could even go in front of the stumps. How is the wicketkeeper supposed to stop this? But I have noticed, I saw a a Geo article that just had a lot of very angry tweets um, about this. Pakistani fans are not particularly happy with this. And I think it goes back to this particular incident, right? They don't think it should be runs. Whereas I think if you're bowling on a free hit and you hit the stumps, that's part of the mistake of you originally giving that free hit away how do you feel about it and how has pakistan twitter which uh, pakistan cricket twitter uh taken this all right lots to unpack over there (laughs) i'm going to go back all the way to the 2019 world cup final england versus new zealand and how england won that because they had scored more boundaries so Mm -hmm. that rule got tabled in the icc meeting or whatever and now it's just another super over super over number two right so we saw something that made headlines and there was action done, mm. you know, to to make we, sure that something like this never happens again. It's With worth saying that that's Nawaz a good thing as well, because quite often mm-hmm. we see something like this and nothing happens afterwards. So it's good that they yeah. have been so proactive this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now let's rewind back to October 23rd, 24th. I'll give you the Pakistani fan uh, experience or the how they would be thinking about this, right? So the Kohli no ball, 50-50 decision, I would say it mm. could have gone either way. And it went in Kohli's favor. You can make an argument that he was outside of his crease or whatever. But ultimately, okay, no ball done. That's fine. When Nawaz cleaned up Kohli on the free hit, I think like 9 out of 10 Pakistan supporters were assuming this is going to be a dead ball now, dot delivery. But then they ran three. And that's when my WhatsApp was like, how is this even legal? This and that. I went and checked. I was obviously 
like thinking this has to be part of the rules. Even I wasn't completely well versed in it. And then I found that it is part of the rules. And I was like, calm down. It's in the rules. It is what it is. You can yeah. disagree with the rule, but you can't call it unfair because that's what the rule says. Well, also, so now you can disagree this. with the rule, but you had to have been upset at the rule beforehand. You have to have, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, if you've just Fair found enough. out about it, how many other teams and players has this happened to that no Pakistani fans are upset about, right? And then suddenly it happens mm-hmm. to their team in a major game. It's a bit like the, the, the countback rule. We can all sit here now and go, countback rule was wrong. That shouldn't have happened, right? But at the same time, Every every team was given the playing conditions going into that tournament. When, when I when I'm an analyst for it, I literally go through mm-hmm. the playing conditions to see if there's anything I can exploit before a season. Well, I could tell from Pakistan's players' faces that maybe they weren't even well versed yeah. with the rule. And this is not the first time this is happening to Pakistan versus India. Remember the bowl out? They didn't have a clue what the yeah. bowl out is. They missed all three. India bowled with I don't know. It was DK again, was it or Robin Uthappa? One of those guys. Uh, and I think Dhoni bowled, didn't he? someone who doesn't regularly bowl, yeah. bowled. And only Harbhajan was like, I think he was the only bowler who bowled. But India won the bowl out 3-0. And it was quite obvious that Pakistan did not have a clue that this bowl out rule exists. I think there was something similar at play this time. And sure, I mean, whatever it is, you cannot call it unfair. You can you can disagree with the rule or whatever. Even I'm not a big fan because I feel like it's just too many advantages given to the batter. If it were me personally... If the ball hits the stumps on a free hit, I would say dot delivery, dead ball, get it over with. Batsman stays. Can I, he's not. Can out, I ask you what the but, difference then is between that and you being caught off a free hit, or you being LBW off a free hit, or you being stumped off a free hit? Well, I mean, I guess there's just some incentive with respect to hitting the stumps, maybe. But maybe there's a little bit of bias coming in over here, of course. Yeah. No, you no, know, I mean, <laughs> I'm not having a go. I just, I've heard a lot of people say what you're saying, especially Pakistani so fans. Let me, after let me that. put it this way. Let's suppose that you are not going to give it as a dead ball or dot delivery even hits the stumps. By no means do I feel like the batter should get the runs. I mean, they didn't even hit the ball. How do they get the runs? If it hits timber, regardless of which timber that is, you get runs as a batter. That that sounds quite ridiculous to me. Okay, I agree that buys are unfair to the wicketkeeper. But to your point, just give it as leg buys then, you know. Uh, yeah. Give it as extras. Because I think- no one deserves to have those runs uh, on, on their charge sheet yeah i think i think from that perspective i I understand why the icc have made this decision when it comes to leg buys but i don't really necessarily i mean the the bowler has still bowled the ideal ball in that situation so if it went to leg buys that's probably the safest way the only other way of doing it of course is on free hits having a separate category and i Mm -hmm. i just think that would be too I don't know how much you know about stats in cricket and scoreboards in cricket. I just don't even know if there's a possibility um, to be able to do that. Like it's so like Crick Info would have one system and Crick Buzz would have another system. The ICC would, be, do you know what I mean? It would, and then oh, if you don't want to get the stats association involved, then it's, then all hell breaks loose. Trust me. So yeah. I think from that perspective, leg buys probably makes the most sense, but there is no perfect answer to this because this is one of those things we talked about with soft signal. This is another unintended. Uh, unintended unintended consequence right when we brought in the no the the free hit we didn't realize all these things were going to happen it and i'm going to you know if you have a look the other thing that you know we talked about i'm not sure if i talked about with you recently but you know i did it on the curtis camphor video about the when there's a waist high full toss in fact curtis camphor did this again against bangladesh the other day mm. when there's a waist high full toss curtis camphor tries to run batters out um and it's it's not out because the ball is already dead so the in, in that way, 
But that's an unintended uh, consequence of the fact that we don't call no balls on the field live anymore, right? We call yeah. them 30 seconds later. And so we have this, this sort of weird middle ground where no one's sure if a catch has really been taken, but surely that's going to be a no ball, but maybe it isn't going to be a no ball, you know? And so there are these little things that come about. And the, the other one, of course, is the, uh, the review system where you get the LBW on the last ball. Actually, you've hit the ball for four, but you've been given out LBW, but you don't get those runs despite the fact you've middled the ball for four and you still lose the game. Mm-hmm. Crick, I, I would su- suggest having a look at this soft signal decision. And you could mm-hmm. argue this runs off a free hit as well, that the people who are making these decisions are not going forward for far enough when they're making them. Does that make sense? They're thinking, oh, soft signal is stupid because what you said, right? They're not thinking, mm-hmm. well, wait a minute. There was a reason why it came in and actually the technology doesn't work. Or, okay, so we've got DRS, but should someone really be penalized when an umpire has made a mistake? And we've mm-hmm. now overturned that umpire mistake, but it's still a dot ball because that's how, how the score system works. So I do think that there's a few advanced, um, I don't know, bugs in the machine that do need to be worked out and there does need to be more and more um, uh, conversation. I'll just finish up with uh, just a couple of um, uh, questions here. That Paul said, my thoughts on free hit as a concept. My my thoughts on free hit as a concept is it is the first thing ever that stopped people bowling no balls. Even penalising people two runs wasn't doing it. I'm not that adverse to trying no balls in test matches. And I know that would absolutely... Um, just, but I hate no balls so much and I would much rather not have them at all. And there are, have a look. I think England were the first team ever in history to bowl a thousand balls in ODI cricket without a, um, no ball. And I, New Zealand had bowled like 800. No teams had ever been anywhere close to that before the free hit ratio. It really has changed the amount of, uh, no balls that we've ever had bowled. So I do think from that point of view i think it's the best penalty that we've ever seen um i think the worst penalty we ever saw was when it used to be it's talking about this runs off a free hit no balls never used to go against the bowler's name did you know that oh i did not know that that's ridiculous (laughs) i think bob willis has one of the i think he has the highest or second highest no ball count of any bowler ever but it didn't go on his figures so he didn't give a shit so he just kept bowling. let's add a run to his average then yeah is that, is oh, that fair? <laughs> it, it probably it pro- i think someone worked it out that it was like him and patrick patterson i think were the ones it was absolutely remarkable so i do think from that perspective um the free hit is the complete other end of that where bowlers are just like well, no why right, would i want to l- do let that? me throw a curveball at you okay you've uh bowled the batter cleaned him up on a free hit knocked over the stump oh, oh well just knocked over bail that is running bowler hits a direct hit stumps are already broken you hit the stumps should that be out um if there's one bail left on and you've knocked that bail then obviously that's not a problem <laughs> if you talk about both bales falling off yeah uh then no i think you have to approve the stump i think in that situation this, so i i believe that the free hit should be a disadvantage to the bowling team it shouldn't be another just it shouldn't be another even ball Right. So not only can you not be dismissed, there should be other disadvantages. Like if you bowl someone, you should still be penalized. Like if you bowl someone, you've now not got the bails on for this run out. I've got absolutely no problems from that perspective of doing that because guess what, Bayram? They paint a big line on the field. Just stay <laughs> behind it, you idiots. Anyway. Um, well, if, if, if a spinner balls a no ball, I'm completely with you. <laughs> oh, actually, someone else has just come up in the comments. I've got this one for you. This is good. I'm not going to talk about it today, but I think I have covered it before. Oh, God, I can't even bring it up now. Uh, RSR says bales should not exist. So this is a really interesting one in modern cricket. For club cricket, obviously bales should exist. But where we have actual technology, 
surely if the ball hits the stumps, because you can hit the ball. I don't know. I think you have to have played cricket to really get this one. You can well, smash I mean, the ball into the stumps so and not take occasions. the bails off. Ever since we've gotten the zinger bales, I cannot even count the number of times the ball has hit the stumps and the bales haven't fallen. But it happens too frequently now. But people say that if you go back in history, it has always happened. And we did the numbers on it at mm-hmm. Crick Info once. Um, I think so. I'm pretty sure this is true. It happened before zinger bales as well. It's just that zinger bales have made it look even weirder, right? Because now you can yeah. sometimes see them even they light jump. up. <laughs> yeah, they light up and then go back down. So it's even more extravagant. But I remember playing in a game where uh, we had a guy bowling reasonably fast who bowled someone. The ball hit the stumps and it went past third slip, right? It wasn't a nick. It smashed the stumps and the bales didn't move, right? And then wow. you have another time where the ball hits the, the, the smallest amount and they come off. You would say at the top level of professional cricket, when bales were, and, and, you know, just to put my historian cap on, when bales were invented, they were an incredibly smart way of solving a problem. You could argue now that there are much more smarter ways than doing that. And we're only keeping them at the top international level because of the, uh, historical nature and the uh you know the the lovely nature of bales right there's no real reason to have them um, there's aesthetic pleasure in bales i would say that do you know <laughs> what the little bit of wood at the end of a bale is called so you've got the big bit in the middle uh-huh. and, and then you've got the little bit on either side now what's it called it's called a spigot thank you very much for listening to this podcast <laughs> you can follow uh bayram he's a deaf mango um not death as in death hitting, death as I can't hear you, Mango. Uh, on Twitter, you can find him on Grassroots Cricket. I'm obviously everywhere um, at all times, all at once. Uh, thank you very much to everyone like La 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 and Pranjal and Paul and Fazian and um, everyone else for coming in uh, into the comments here. Uh, if you do want to chat to us on Uncovered, the best way, of course, is unless you're absolutely on ball like some of those commenters were today super chat is the best way into the future but please support us via patreon and every other way you can but we will see you again next time uh which will be for those people who are moaning about barrett don't worry he's going to be back soon <laughs> it's all cool he's not, he's not dead or any as well as far as i'm aware he wasn't dead 20 minutes ago when i texted him we'll see you again next time This show has an ad-free version via Patreon, and there are many other extras available there as well. There is a link to the show notes. The show is hosted by me, Jared Kimber. Barrett Sundaresan is my co-host. It is produced by Nick McCorriston. We also have a great production team from 42 with Rati Joshi on socials, Orajoti Senapayi and Maida Akam producing podcasts, and Makunda Bandredi is the head of our YouTube account. Podcast Network.